defining moments don't just happen to individuals. They could happen to people groups. They could happen to communities. They could happen to nations or even the whole of humanity. Just look at the impact of 9-11. Defining moments for nations the, the world over. It hasn't necessarily happened to its full extent, but Brexit, us leaving the EU, defining moment for our country. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But I'm, my topic, my passage, my characters, I've got two of them, but I'm going to mainly focus on one, you'll see why, um, are David and Goliath. Um, two, you know, well, certainly one amazing figurehead, but one massive giant as well. Um, but just to give you a quick background, I'm not going to go into massive detail, but to, to pick up a passage in a moment in 1 Samuel 17, so you can get poised, ready, 1 Samuel 17, um, and we're going to look at 4 to 11. But before we do that, you may know the story, King Saul, the first king of Israel, has been rejected by God because he's a basically a numpty, he's evil, he's a madman. God rejects him as the king of Israel. So to look for his replacement, he goes to the smallest clan, the smallest, you know, a completely unexpected place. And he asks, um, through the prophet Samuel, um, you know, for, for a new king. Eventually, David, the smallest, the runt of the litter in many ways, um, was, was selected as his replacement. So David, um, because he was highly favored by God, um, he got a part-time job as, um, I guess you call it a music therapist for King Saul. He was in King Saul's uh, parlor in his palace, um, in his, you know, his whatever. Um, and he was there. Whenever Saul was having an evil moment, whenever he was being troubled or traumatized, he would be there to play the harp. Wouldn't we all like one of those, a musical therapist? Um, and as time goes on, history tells us that the Israelites were constantly in conflict with the Philistines, these rough, giant, monstrous army. And little old Israel. Oh. People of God. There's this battle. And this is where we pick up the story. So 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. So they're face-to-face, two armies. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are, all, why are you all coming out to fight? I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will all be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. I could, today, have been preaching about King Saul's defining moments. It said earlier in, in, in uh, 1 Samuel that King Saul was head and shoulders above his, pillar, his peers. He, King Saul could have possibly been described himself as a giant, as a warrior, as a, as a significant man of God. So why didn't he take his defining moment, his opportunity to slay Goliath? But no, this is a moment. This is a defining moment for one man, but also a defining moment for the whole of Israel. They were terrified. And so David overheard Goliath trash-talking God. 
And I don't know if you've ever heard that in the staff room, but would you react the same? I don't know. Um, He asked Saul if he could fight Goliath. There's no fear involved here. He asked Saul if he could fight him. And he does. He kills him. Stone straight into the head. And then this leads to an amazing victory for the Israelites. A short story. Sorry, a long story. Short. And also, this defining moment for King David positioned him in the place in which that later on in life he could then become the king of Israel. Because if you were outside of the... the, the um, the regal family, if you were out, you, know, you were not next in line to the throne. How could you expect to become the next king? David was probably, he heard from God, but imagine that thought. Yeah, God, thank you for, that, um, for making me king, but how on earth is that even going to be happening? I'm not even in that environment. I'm not even positioned correctly yet to be king. Well, here comes your defining moment, David. You've got an opportunity, mate. And David took it. We, we often preach, and I, you know, I've done it, and we talk about this David versus Goliath encounter, little versus large, small, and, and we use it to, you know, analog, to, as analogy in life to say, you know, when it's, whenever it's a little person or a little team, football team against a big team, David versus Goliath. Well, I don't think David ever thought of himself as small. I thought David, he knew that this was his opportunity. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Sorry, have we got a witness? <laughs> David saw Goliath as an opportunity, a defining moment. What a great opportunity. Not fearful. What a great opportunity. Um, he probably was fearful. I'm not denying the encounter and the, and the, the, the bigness of this and the huge um, encounter that he would face. But he, would, he saw this as an opportunity, a defining moment. It's actually a defining moment for us as well, for the whole of history. Without King David in place, from David eventually came Jesus. And without Jesus, we'd be nowhere. Um, so thank God. <laughs> this, is, this is a hard message. This is a hard sentence to say. Thank God when you face an enemy. Have you ever thought about thanking God for your enemies? Have you ever thought about rejoicing when you face a trouble or a trial? Have you ever thought about celebrating when you go through trouble? <laughs> Glory. Thank God when we face troubles, enemies, giants. Because actually it's in response to these, and mostly in response to these circumstances, that we are most likely to grow. If my, if my Christianity, if my life was everything in the right place, in the right order, at the right time, feeling good, feeling happy, feeling perfect, life is rosy, I would not grow. I would become complacent. I would probably fall off the wagon and lose my faith. But thank God. In fact, celebrate, rejoice when you face a giant at work, a boss, a colleague, when you face financial difficulty. I'm not saying this is a good thing. Goliath wasn't a good thing. He was defying the armies of the living God. He was defying God. It's not a good thing. So you're not praising the thing. You are rejoicing in your defining moment, in your struggle. (laughs) So you can grow. I can prove that. I'm not just making that up. Here we go. James will prove it to you. It's in the Bible. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking, needing 
nothing. Can I get a witness? So, great. And that's kind of a message. I'm done. But, you know, in theory, that's lovely. You know, it's great. Oh, yeah. Whenever, when, I'm ne- when I'm next facing redundancy, when I'm next facing grief, when I'm next facing a, a conflict, I'm going to rejoice. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah, try it. Do your very best. Be thankful. Thankful for what you've got. Try that. Do it. Rejoice. Maybe you need to do that after it. In the time, it might be difficult to celebrate when you're in that hospital bed. But if you want, if you want a way out of that hospital bed, maybe your way out is to rejoice and celebrate and thank it could be. But three things. I always like three things. I can only work in threes. Three things, based on what David did and what I understand when I read David and Goliath, three things that we can do to ensure that our defining moments help us grow. Because defining moments are great. We all love graduating from uni. We all love getting married. We all love these lovely encounters, these amazing experiences. We all love getting the pay rise. We all love these wonderful defining moments. But what do we need to do to ensure that we grow? Well, David helps us. Three catchy phrases, so it's easy to remember. The first one is this. Get ready. Get ready. It says earlier on in 1 Samuel 17, 34, it says, but David persisted. This is when Saul says, no, you can't fight Goliath. Don't, you, know, don't, you can't do it. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. <laughs> Anyone here for RSPCA? Um, I have have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistines. Preparation. Get ready. You've got to get ready for your defining moments. Because unfortunately, I can't be here to say, I cannot promise that your life will be good I can't promise that you won't have 50 years of wonderful paradise for the rest of your life. Defining moments, I can promise, will come, good and bad. So the best thing that we can do is get ready. And in David's case, what we need to do is stay behind and look after the sheep. When all others are on the front line, getting the glory, doing all the good stuff, we are behind the scenes, at home, doing the dirty, unseen, isolated, behind-the-scenes stuff. And it is there where you learn the principles and the skills and the faith to tackle whatever you are going to have to face, whatever defining moment you have. You've got to go and be (laughs) with the animals. Now, I haven't got children, but one thing I do have is a cat. I I have a cat. And honestly, parenting, I I feel for you. Because having a cat, it's the closest thing I've ever had to having a child. Because, you know, you've got to feed them, you've got to mess, clean up their mess. Um, you've got to, you know, look after them. You're thinking about them, you know, when you go on holiday and all that kind of stuff. And for me, <laughs> parents are going, you muppet. <laughs> but hey, just, just roll with me on this one. But one thing that I do, um, and Steph does it as well, so it's not just me. <laughs> but we let our cat out, and then, you know, she goes off and plays. And she comes back a few hours later or a few days later. Every time we do it, and every time we leave the house, we pray for Misty. 
we pray for me. <laughs> because what if she doesn't come back? What if she gets run over? I, I feel as if, you know, those, those parents who have let their children go away to uni, I feel like, you know, every, every morning is like letting my child go to uni. What are they, you know, you parents letting your children go away to rock nations. Oh my goodness, I feel for you. <laughs> Hashtag pray for Misty. <laughs> but that preparation, now you can laugh and I can laugh, but looking after, nurturing, feeding, caring for, praying for, is preparing myself and Steph, maybe one day, to have our own children. Just like David was looking after the sheep, fending off lions and bears. And I would do that for my cat. (laughs) Prepared him to take down giants. We all need to get ready. The question is, what are you doing behind closed doors? What are you doing to get ready? What are you doing on your own when there's no one else here? Everyone else is on the front line having a whale of the time. You're at home in your bedroom with a Bible open. You're at home putting on a worship track. You're at home downloading a podcast. You're at home praying. Now, if that's not going on, if that isn't happening, if you're not on your knees, if you're not in tears, if you're not feeling something, if you're not reading the Bible, I know it's hard, I know it's hard, but the more you do it, the more you do it, you know, post it on your social media site. Um, create funky graphics, draw it on your wall, paint it on your mirror, um, listen to it, sing it, pray the Bible, read the Bible, eat it, chew it, whatever you need to do. And it is in that preparation when no one else, you're not in church, this is great, church is great, but what we do outside is far greater. And it prepares us for our defining moments. So whatever comes your way, whether it be a promotion, whether it be more money, whether it be a sickness, whether it be death in your family, whether it be a redundancy, you're ready. So get ready. Your defining moments will come. And I would say based on the life of David in the shepherd's field, the only way to a God promotion, here's a bit of career advice for you. The only way to a God promotion is serving. So if you're not serving, whether that be serving your friends and family, whether that be serving your neighbor, whether it be cleaning up for the McDonald's staff at McDonald's, whether it's serving in church, serving in ministry, doing whatever you can for this church, there's a practical outworking in this message. Just go and do it. And you never know what God promotion, what defining moment may come your way in the future. The second thing, and I don't, want, I don't mean this to be offensive. So the first one is get ready. Get ready. I don't want this one to be offensive, but it might be termed offensive. Second one is this, get over it. I don't want you to feel defensive right now, but get over it. Or let's just try and change my intonation. Come on, guys, get over it. You can do it. And what's the it? It. Listen to and read some of the things that people said about David in this encounter. Verse 28, Jess, is when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the man, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about these few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You want to see the battle. His brother said, you're someone of pride and someone of deceit. These are the words that somebody said over him. Let's read on, Jess, um, in verse 33. This is Saul talking to David. Don't be ridiculous. When, when David says he can take down the giant. Don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine. 
get that. No way. Yeah, there is. David wasn't scared. This is, this. <laughs> There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy or a girl, young people. And he's been a man of war since his youth. Look at the, listen to the words that people are saying about him. Listen to what Goliath says about him in the next one. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the animals. Goliath. He forgets that David is a man of the animals. Hashtag pray for Misty. You get it. <laughs> Listen to the words that David needs to get over. He needs to get over. If you, if you are to grow through and in your defining moments, you need to get over some of the things that people have said about you. You need to get over some of the words that teachers, parents, friends, peers, enemies, celebrities have said about you. I haven't got time to go into the details. You know what has been said and you know what, when you wake up in the morning and you look in that mirror and you see yourself, what words come to mind? And I'm not here to diminish your struggles, your obstacles, and your giants. I'm not here to say your defining moment was easy. But if there's words that have been said over you that have defined you and have, you know, something that happened in your presence, something that was said in a conversation or over social media or whatever it was, has an effect on your future. You now lack confidence. You struggle with relationships and intimacy. You struggle to overcome certain obstacles because at the back of your mind is that negative word that somebody said. If I can learn anything from David, if I can learn how to grow through and in my defining moments, I need to, just like David, get over it. He heard these things. Saul, the king, the most powerful man in the nation, said to him, you cannot do it. It is impossible. Do you think those words had any effect on, king da on David? No. He got over those words. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, and I haven't got time to go into how you could do that. I might not even know how to do that. Well, there's only one thing that I do know. In order to come out on top of your defining moments, you need to overcome some of the words that people have spoken over your life. And you do not need to be restricted by them. You need to listen to what God says about you. And my preach is three points, but actually it's just one point. It's that bedroom encounter with the Bible. It's not easy to discover what God says about you without reading the Bible. In fact, it's impossible. I could tell you all day that you're loved by God. I could tell you that you're treasured. You're the apple of his eye. You are created by him, for him, for his glory. But that's just my words. You've got to hear it and read it and consume it for yourself. Listen, listen, listen to what God said about David in, in chapter before, 1 Samuel 16, verse 12. This is when he was being sort of handpicked by God to be the next king of Israel. Jesse, his father, sent for him. He was dark. This is David. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, ladies. That's what, well, that's what God thought about him. This is in the Bible. And the Lord said, this is the one. <laughs> this is the one. Imagine, imagine you heard God say that to you. 
You are the one. And actually, you know what he is? <laughs> you are the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day out. The spirit of God is now upon him. He's, he's, he's overcome the words. He's now got the spirit upon him. So again, practically, we've got to simply listen to what God says about us. And I can't tell you. I mean, I can. I'll do my best to say, you know what, you are loved by God. He would do anything. He would go to the ends of the earth and back. He did on the cross. But if you, you probably won't hear it from me. You need to hear it from him. That's how you get through your divine moments. And then finally, so we've had get ready. We've had get over it. Finally, get real. Get real, guys. Come on. What do I mean by this? It will help me to read the passage again. We'll pick up verse 38, Jess. Um, Saul, so 1 Samuel 17, 38. Saul gave David his own armor. This is when Saul's conceded, okay, I'm going to let David have a, a go at fighting Goliath. A bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these. He protested to Saul, I'm not used to them. I didn't have this back in the field. I didn't have this back in the bedroom. I didn't have this when I was reading my own private devotion to God. I don't need what you're telling me. I need what I've already got. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Key message here. How do I get through defining moments on top of them? yourself. There's no textbook way to deal with a defining moment, whether that be loss, grief, injury, sickness, isolation, loneliness, redundancy, family problems. There's no, there's no way. There's no one way to do it. You've got to learn your own way. We can advise, and I'd advise you to seek counsel. If you need a, you know, a qualified counselor, I'd advise you to go out and get professional help. I'd advise you to ask for help from your small group and get people to pray for you and all of that stuff. People can help, but your solution is not from others. The way you're going to overcome them is entirely from you and what God has put in your pocket. So if you've got five small stones in your pocket, you've got enough to take down a giant. If you've got one ounce of faith, you've got enough to overcome your circumstance. If you've got a faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. And four chapters earlier, the Israelites in constant warfare with the Philistines were in a battle. And the Philistines were so oppressive, they wouldn't allow the Israelites to make their own weapons. So the Israelites went to battle against the warriors, giants, monsters of the Philistines with only two weapons. Saul had a sword, King Saul, and his son Jonathan, who I spoke about a few weeks ago, had a sword. The rest of the army, or a spear, the rest of the army had, I don't know, kitchen wooden spoons, saucepans, sticks. I don't know what they had. But because of Jonathan's faith, which we won't go into today, amazingly, God brought the Israelites victory with no weapons. They didn't, have any, they didn't have anything in their pocket. They didn't need armor. They didn't need sword, sword. They didn't need, you know, um, an amazing pastor or preacher to come and anoint them. They didn't need, you know, to go to rock nations. They didn't need to go to an amazing conference. They didn't need to even come into the church building. They just needed God. 
They just needed God. They had forgotten, the Israelites, only four chapters on, that God could do the impossible. But David hadn't. David knew that God would help him. And he also knew that Saul's armor could not. So the key thing here is don't borrow somebody's armor. Don't borrow somebody else's relationship with God. Just because somebody else is going good for God. Just because somebody else is reading their own Bible. Just because somebody else is clearly um, spending time in prayer and devoting themselves to God in their own personal time. That doesn't mean that you, know, you can get away with not doing that. Just because Saul's got the sword, just because Saul, King Saul's got the armor, doesn't mean that you can overcome the giant. But if you get your own five small stones, your own relationship. Again, three points, one point. Back in your bedroom with the Bible. <laughs> if, if, I could, if I could offer one piece of advice for any young Christian or any old Christian or any middle-aged Christian is go back to the bedroom with the Bible. There is no greater remedy or cure. You can't rely upon Paul and Sarah's faith for this church. You cannot rely upon your, your parents' faith for the rest of your life. You cannot rely upon your mentor or your good friend's faith in God. It's got to be your own. So you've got to get real. You've got to get honest. You've got to get open. You've got to get you. All you need to overcome any obstacle is a genuine relationship with God. That's all you need. King David, you know, he got himself ready, prepared himself. He got over some of the words that were said about him. And he just did his own thing. There's no one size fits all Christianity. There's your Christianity. There's your faith. And there's your walk with God. And if you can get those combinations together, the preparation, the word, the on your knees, the silent private place with God. And if you can learn how to overcome some of the words that have been spoken over you. And if you can simply learn to be yourself and not try and be a professional Christian or be someone else. You'll overcome good, bad, ugly, defining moments in your life. And I'm drawing to a close, but as a way of a response, a couple of things, first of all. I want to invite one or two people, maybe one or two, I don't know everyone, into a defining moment right now. For me, the most significant defining moment of my whole entire life was that day in church when I was... 12, 13 years of age where I made a decision to follow Jesus. I was listening to a preach. He was better than me. But I was listening to a message about Jesus. I was listening to him say how Jesus had died for me. I was listening to him, to him to tell me that I'd made mistakes and I knew it. I was listening to him so that Jesus had a defining moment. He said to Father God, God, if God, please could this cup, this suffering, this death be passed from but not my will. Your will be done. This was a defining moment for Jesus. He knew he had to go to the cross so that we could have a defining moment right now. His sacrifice brought freedom for me. Now, I don't want to leave this platform without giving an opportunity for somebody in the room who hasn't had that defining moment where they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I wouldn't want you to leave this room and think, oh, I've missed that. So I'm going to make it obvious for you. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. God, I'm sorry for my past. I thank you for what you are doing in my life right now. Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross so that I could live. 
And from this day forward, I turn away from what I used to do and where I used to live. And I walk in the direction of you, Jesus. That's the simple prayer I'm going to pray. But before I pray that, I don't want to pray on my own. Is there anyone that wants me to pray that with them? I'm going to ask you to be brave. I'm going to ask you to do something like you did at the beginning when you get a welcome bag, but you're going to get something far better. Is there anyone in the room that just wants to define a moment right now with Jesus? You want to accept Jesus for the first time. If there is, all I'm asking you to do is just stick your hand up. Just give me a wave, just for three seconds, two seconds, one second. Well, Lord, we thank you for this group of people. We thank you for this church. God, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, Jesus, that you did die for us. And God, even if we've all made that decision, even if, God, we've all had that defining moment, I don't know if we have. But Lord, even now as I'm praying, would you be tugging on people's heartstrings? God, would you be speaking into their spirit and into their mind? And Lord God, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me and for us. Thank you for life in the future. Amen. And honestly, if you've made, if you want to pray that prayer, we can do it at the end. If you didn't think now was the time, maybe in 10 minutes we'll be. But just for the rest of us, just one final conclusion before we sing. Just to sum up. David and Goliath. What have we got to do? What practical takeaway message? What, you know, it's great. It would be wonderful if we could all be King Davids and overcome giants. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? But here's my three things, and this is what you can be thinking about. Simply get ready. It's coming, this defining moment, whatever it is, good, bad, the ugly, it's coming. But what we can do is get ready. Serve, pray, read the Bible, spend time on your own. Get over it. You know, read the Bible, listen to what God has to say about you, and get real. Develop your own methods, your own coping mechanisms, your own revelation and relationship with God. And let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you for this season we're in, God, of defining moments. May this season, may this month be a defining moment for our church. God, would this be a defining moment for our faith? God, would we, as we discover from the Bible, God, people, God, who overcame, God, people, God, who um, were testament to a God of the impossible. Lord God, I pray that we will be people of the impossible. God, the people, God, that receive amazing, defining moments, God, in which we grow. We thank you for each person and for each individual and for their families, God, and those that aren't here today. Lord, we ask for your blessing and your favor upon them in your name. Amen.